everybody. Welcome to another PR Masters podcast series brought to you by the Stevens Group. In case you don't already know who the Stevens Group is, we're one of the leading mergers and acquisitions firms in the PR and digital interactive space. I'm Art Stevens, managing partner of the Stevens Group and your host for today. The PR Masters podcast series features luminaries and legends in the world of public relations. Our guest today is Gil Bash, managing partner of Finn Partners Global Health Practice. And what a resume Gil Bash has. Gil has forged an illustrious career in healthcare public relations, and as Pharma Voice put it, as one of the 100 most inspiring people in healthcare. Gil was included in the Fast Company 50 People to Watch in the New World of Work by PR Week as a top 50 health influencer, recognized by the PRSA Health Academy with its Excellence in Public Relations Award. Gil Bash has led three top agencies cited by the Holmes Report as Healthcare PR Agency of the Year winners. And on and on, he is associated with the, some 40 product launches for global medtech and biopharma blockbusters in cancer, diabetes, heart, respiratory, women's health, and non-communicable and orphan disease therapies. Among the agencies that he's led to healthcare prominence are Common Health, Hill & Knowlton, HealthQuest Global Communications Partners, McCuffsky, and, and Medicus. Gil sits on a number of foundation advisory boards and has served as a paratrooper combat medic and staff sergeant in the military. Gil, wow, very impressive indeed. I would like to welcome you to PR Masters, and my very first question to you, Gil, is how do you find time to do all this? Well, Art, I try to model you of what you've done in the industry through Lopes and Stevens and the Stevens Group is obviously impressive. It's a service to all of us, and it's a privilege to have this conversation with you today. So you know, you've asked really probably one of the most fundamental questions of our lives, which is time. And we, we tend to look at time as infinite. Unfortunately, it's not. It's limited. One of the, the hardest parts of our careers at all stages of the journey is to learn how to say yes and to learn how to say no. Um, most people actually lean toward the no. I tend to lean toward the yes. I appreciate the fact that time is finite, but yet so much can be done with it, and particularly in the area that I sit in, which is health communications, I have a tremendous appreciation for the fact that people who have been diagnosed with illness, their family members, they're hungry for information, they're hungry for connections, and they're hungry to be healed. And with that as a calling, it's very easy to find time. Uh, no, time has to be used well, but in fact, the time that we use when we're in this discipline can improve people's lives. So I'm always happy to find time for people. I always appreciate the fact that we're here to help each other. I come from a time where, um, Art, I look to you and your colleagues, and you were gracious. You gave of your time. You didn't see people as competitors. You saw them as complementers. You saw them as part of an overarching communications community. And therefore, I've always been able to thankfully find time to help people. 
Gail, you are considered, you know, no, with modesty aside, honestly, you're considered a legend in the public relations industry. Your contribution to healthcare and healthcare public relations will always be part of your legacy. Tell me, tell our listeners how your interest in healthcare came about. Well, um, legacy, of course, is an interesting thing. I'm still alive and kicking. <laughs> I hope to contribute for some years to come. But, but the question you ask, I think, is really important. And for everybody in our industry, I always say um, there is something in your past, um, something in your interest that brought you to where you are, whether you're doing health, whether you're doing technology, whether you're doing consumer and food or travel or lifestyle or digital, um, some discipline, something in your past actually resonates deep with inside you and brought you to this place. In my case, it is, it's actually an interesting story because you know, certainly if I look at my early, early years, um, science was really not um, sort of high on my radar screen as interest. And today, of course, I'm consumed by it for many different reasons. But actually, it started during my military service that you mentioned. Uh, you mentioned that I was a combat medic. And um, my becoming a combat medic was not my original choice. I was a paratrooper. I was trained as a, as a, as a young squad and a squad commander in paratroopers. I was really doing more work in terms of, of reconnaissance and anti-tank work and found myself I won't go into details, I found myself in the hospital doing rehab for six months, um, determined to return to my unit, uh, which I did do. And uh, one of the caveats um, that I made at that point because of what had happened to me during that period was I was very interested in becoming a combat medic. And um, the Army decided to uh, heed my yearning. I did go to the combat medics course. I graduated as the outstanding combat medic of my, um, my I guess you could say, the, the, that period in 1982 and, um, and served uh, a number of times in combat situations, caring for wounded, both um, um, allied and, um, and enemy forces with an equal passion for understanding that all people, regardless of where they come from, regardless of their faith, their religion, their color, makes no difference. Um, we share something on this planet. We're all part of the human race, and that life is precious. And so I pivoted out of that period of my life, which was you know, quite some years. I pivoted out of that period of my life with a very distinct understanding that healing, communications, actually has no specific language. It is universal. And committed myself at that point to do something in healthcare. But the inflection point initially after that was what? Um, and initially I started to work in government and policy, health policy, and um, and decided to make this a lifelong career. I was passionate about it. I was motivated about it. I understood at that very early stage that when someone is broken, the first thing they often ask is, how can I get better in any language around the world? And I also understood that mothers seek healing for their children and children seek healing for their parents and that health unites us around the world. So that was the genesis of it, Art. It wasn't the genesis of my journey into public relations, but certainly it was the spark that brought me to healthcare. 
So given that, Gil, what, what skills and capabilities do you feel that you have brought to your career as an agency innovator? Like why you and not somebody else? I mean, you have obviously uh, established yourself as a master in healthcare public relations. So where do you think it came from? Uh, I know where it came from. You just described it. What, what skills and capabilities do you feel that you brought? Yeah. So, so our, it, it evolved, and actually that, those early years – actually have given me sensitivity points. So there's two aspects when you bring up skills. One are the technical skills we need as communicators. Um, We need the ability to communicate with each other. We need the ability to um, write in a precise way that becomes compelling. Our messages resonate with the people we seek to engage. It entails understanding how people make decisions as uh, people receiving information. It requires us to understand the evolution of the medium of which we create um, and, and which we reach people. That's the technical stuff that all communication disciplines, whether you're working in food or consumer goods or you're working in cars, car communications and marketing, regardless of the industry sector you play with, there are certain fundamental skills that you really have to perfect, perfect, perfect. So I have to say that on the skill level, I've always believed that it's important for each of us, and certainly you're representative of that, each of us must hone our skill sets. We must invest in ourselves. And um, that was one thing I was committed to do prior to actually the the, um, the um, introduction of the Internet, <coughs> where it was all essentially print. I would actually spend days off going to the big, big medical libraries and studying publications, reading them, reading what people wrote, understanding what was their intent. So one aspect is I've always invested in honing my skill set as all people in this discipline should do. But there's another element that you touch on in terms of what did I bring to the table, what skills. So I mentioned I started in policy in health. I actually was a lobbyist, a state lobbyist. And so I had an understanding how decisions are made that impact the health of this nation. And, And so one, I was interested in health policy. My career brought me into introducing innovative products. So suddenly I, I needed to understand the science of in, the, the innovative products and also how they worked within the system. My combat medic background, when, because I was very senior, I, I ended it actually as a battalion-level medic doing triage. And as a result of that, I would be sent into hospitals at time to time, taken out of the field into major hospitals to assist in surgery, in gastroenterology, in emergency rooms, and so forth. And I got to see how the health system works from the provider side. Um, And obviously, each one of us at different times, we sort of cycle in and out as being patients or people but we cycle in of having health concerns or, or seeking to help people we, we hold close to us, helping them manage their health concerns. So, and of course, each one of us is dealing with an insurance company, a payer, and we're on the phone with them trying to figure out how to get coverage or something. <laughs> All of that is part of our lives. And so rather than looking at it as to-dos, I looked at it as the laboratory of our health ecosystem. So two things I was honing to get to where I am and actually to help my colleagues advance their careers. One, excellent skill sets. Two, understand how the system works and how it interrelates. 
And those two things combined and bringing them to the, to the communities I was part of really helped those people, those communities, those clients uh, blossom and prosper and succeed. Wow, that is some background. I don't think anybody who does healthcare public relations is, has anywhere near the kind of overall experience that you have just described. Well, Amazing. well Art, you Amazing. have to expand your list of masters. I, I, I hope there's others <laughs> out there like that. Well, I'm going to try to find them, but I might have a difficulty, Gil. Uh, so you have now been at Finn Partners for a while, and uh, as you know, I've personally had the pleasure of working with Peter Finn for a number of years and, and have known him for quite a while. Um, and I am sure that the chemistry between you and Peter was a major factor in your joining Finn Partners. So tell us about life at Finn Partners. What are you doing there? And, uh, you know, how did you organize healthcare? And what were your goals to start with? And, uh, and just what are you up to? So, Art, you've asked four questions. And <laughs> your one question. Um, let, let's take them one by one. The, uh, sure. Peter Finn. Um, and first of all, thank you for all your help with Finn Partners. You've, you've really made a difference here. It's very appreciated, and you're a wonderful partner in helping us connect with people who match our values and culture. And, um, and together, you know, it's really helping us uh, sort of impact the communications world. So thank you for that. Uh, well, thank Peter you. Finn thank you. is uh, thank you. Peter Finn is a um, a very unique. Um, uh, person and a very special person person for Finn Partners and our entire industry. And yes, um, that was a key deciding factor in my decision. I I met Peter. Um, he immediately offered me this position, but I didn't know Peter well. Um, and in essence, we we met. We continued to discuss and meet during a nine month period. And at the end of the nine months, I said, I'm aboard. What I saw during those nine months is very critical, and I share that with you because hopefully people who, who meet him can accelerate the time process. Um, Peter is a person of great integrity. He is a gr person of great thoughtfulness. He's a person of great balance. He's a person of mission. He's a person of generosity and kindness. And in the nine months I was speaking to him about coming to Fin Partners, I saw consistency. Sometimes when we're looking at an opportunity, a career opportunity, um, people get to these positions because they're excellent at um, selling. Um, Peter is, is not focused on selling. He's focused on being authentically Peter. And when you see that and realize this is a person of consistent integrity during all sorts of situations, there is only one choice but to admire the person and understand that he walks the walk. He doesn't just talk the talk. So that was a deciding factor. When I came aboard Finn Partners a little less than five years ago, about four and a half years ago, our, um, our health talent was, was um, budding. Um, Finn Partners did have some health talent, some wonderful people in, in our Nashville office, which is you know, DVL Ziegenthaler, Finn Partners Company, and in New York, a few people. But it was truly a handful of people. Now, of course, if we, we look at the 
uh, O'Dwyer's rankings, and we combine our historic numbers with an acquisition we made um, earlier in this year, we're the fourth largest independent health public relations agency in the business today. It's, it's quite remarkable. It's quite remarkable. And that's really a credit to the people he, who are here who have joined us and Peter Finn's leadership. I, I credit them largely for that achievement. The, the health practice, though, is very unique to our industry, and that has really also contributed to its, its growth. I talked earlier about these experiences that we have with the health ecosystem as patients, as people who deal with payers, as people who seek out providers, physicians, and medical care, as people who turn to product innovation to sustain and improve our lives, as people, of course, who are looking at our government policymakers and this political conversation we're having about the future of our health system. And we recognize that that really is a summary of the health ecosystem. When we um, formed and launched the Finn Health Practice, we drew upon the talents of the people here and their interests, and we didn't segment them, we united them into a practice that could help our clients successfully navigate a very complex, fragmented health ecosystem. Because when we think of people who are promoting a product, uh, a life-saving product, it's not enough to talk about the product and its benefit and value. Those messages, that effort, that creative campaign has to actually connect patient groups. It has to connect physicians. It has to uh, uh, explain to policymakers why it's worthy of their support. And most certainly, of course, payers have to say, we, we see this as great value to the, the products that we provide our beneficiaries and our members. So we brought that skill to bear almost from day one. That was somewhat of the secret sauce that really propelled the Finn Health Practice very quickly forward. It did something that other practices, other PR firms were not able to do. It represented the totality of the ecosystem. It understood that even in the fragmentation, there's alignment. It acknowledged that there are different business models in the health system. Your doctor makes money differently than the payer that reimburses them. The hospital system makes money differently than the physician that, that walks their halls. The government spends money and makes money differently than all of those that patients really are, have a yearning to be healthier, to be healed, to sustain their lives. And because we knew that and were able to sort of like bottle that, we were able to send out a very differentiating message and grow the business. That really results not only in my own knowledge, and it's, it's kind of you to call me a, a master, but actually people of all ages, it's not just longevity in the business, it's passion for the business. We had a cadre of people here who were passionate about healthcare, and they came together in a collaborative spirit, and that's what Peter brought to the table, actually. Peter is always at the table. He created the value system that unites Finn partners, and that made it work. So the values drew the people together. Their talents were together. We marshaled their talents. We deployed their talents to the marketplace. The marketplace got that, and boom. As I said earlier, we evolved into the fourth largest independent health PR firm in our industry today. Could you describe the value system so our, our listeners can have an idea of what, what make, makes up uh, the uh, components of it? 
Yeah, and, and by the way, it's a very important question because you know, one of the questions that always comes to bear when we're talking about fin partners is, uh, and you've helped in that end, are the acquisitions we make. And they're, with great thought, all, each of these acquisitions around the world really are representative of the values at play. And, and before I go into the individual values, I'll just say that there are countless people out there, leaders of their businesses, who aspire to be part of something that could be game-changing, regardless of the industry discipline they represent. And while they're working in a close-knit community, they're expansive in nature. They want to work with other people in their own region and they're around the globe. That's given. We tend to really attract those people. Peter and our leadership team and the people who have joined us from other agencies really drive that forward. Um, it is really a, a collective yearning to make a difference in the world. So let me start there. Make a difference is one of our core values. Businesses are here for a purpose. That purpose transcends just making money. It really deals with impacting people's lives positively. So one is make a difference. How do we do that? Collaboration. Collaboration is very important. You know, people think collaboration is like being nice to each other. It is far more fundamental. And I would say in the current cover issue of the Harvard Business Review, it's not by surprise they talk about how to, how to really the difficult heavy lift of collaboration. So one of the things FinPartner does is its system, its systems are designed to support collaboration, whether they're information systems or incentive systems. Regardless, the system supports collaboration. As they say, you respect what you inspect. Collaboration is one of those things. And it allows us not just to work within a practice. So the health practice is about 140 people worldwide. It allows us to draw on the skills, knowledge, and abilities of more than 800 people that make up our community because of collaboration and make a difference. The other aspect that we look at is diversity. We are at a time in this world that we think of people being um, sometimes separated from each other. Fin Partners actually drives toward embracing diversity. And diversity is not just like, hey, I think different than you. It involves pulling together people from different cultures, faiths, people from different races, people from, who, who view gender differently, people who bring to the table different physical and creative ability, all that is part of diversity. And, and we measure that. I'm very proud to say that Finn Partners has, I believe, if not the highest, one of the highest um, communities of diversity and inclusion in our industry today. And um, as you may know, Art, we've won uh, PR Council Awards, PR Week Awards recently that, that really highlight and celebrate our diverse community. We have a senior uh, leadership team that focuses on diversity. It's quite magnificent. And we sponsor diversity programs, whether it's um, 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 paid fellowships here. And even we have a high school uh, a high school internship program that focuses on bringing high school students from diverse communities into the Finn Partners community so that when they go off to college, they're thinking about public relations as a discipline they may want to pursue. 
So that's obviously very important to us. Another uh, aspect of very, very important to us is the sense of amaze. Amaze is not just to amaze our clients. It's also looking at how do we amaze each other. And this becomes a very important part of what we're trying to achieve. So we recognize that we're each other's clients, and that's important. But, you know, part of it is you've heard of the expression work hard, um, play hard, work hard, or play, work hard, play hard. Yeah. Ours is work hard, play nice. And mm-hmm. there's a tendency to believe in, in, in organizations as they evolve to get ahead. You need sharp elbows. No, you don't. Actually, kindness, thoughtfulness, consideration create very safe, secure communities. And that is also one of our key values here. So when you look at our different values of how we pull them together, it really means that all of us in this community, those companies that have joined us, all by choice, all by choice, they buy into the value system. And in turn, when we're all working together, whether it's in cities or regions or or around the globe, cross-practice, cross-service, when we look at that, we automatically see the world through common values. And those common values unite us and actually enable our clients to get much more value out of the agency community. Did you have to do any type of reorganizing when you took over the, the global healthcare practice at Finn Partners? Uh, if so, does it does what you did compare to what other agencies are doing, or did you organize it in a somewhat different manner? Well, again, another very important question, because really what you're driving down is not so much organization, but community. And you know, part of it is, part of success is not so much organizing or, 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 or organizing people. It's actually liberating people. People come to the table intuitively wanting to give their best, wanting to give their all. Often leaders... Um, organize. They over-organize. And people feel essentially put into pillars or boxes. Think about it. As an individual, don't you feel the most inspired and liberated when people are sort of tapping into the very best that you want to give the client or the community as opposed to saying, now, you need to do this. So, one aspect is to understand that people really want to do great things. They want to make a difference. So the the organization of the health practice is essentially a global passport practice. I, I tell people in the health practice, feel free to participate in other practices. It is not a um, – you don't need a visa to come into the health practice and participate or contribute. Neither do you need an exit visa to go and help another practice do something. Mm-hmm. So one thing I, I fundamentally believe in, and I think our whole organization does, is deploy your talent to improve the well-being of the world. And so, understand oh, okay, that ultimately we're serving, yeah, and ultimately we're trying to serve clients. So one aspect is we, we have organization, but we recognize that each individual at every level, wants to give their best to the organization, the client. We as leaders have a responsibility to tap into that desire and deploy it. 
So, you know, having worked with the Finn Partners now for a number of years and uh, um, obviously from the very moment that the Finn Partners was formed um, and having been involved in a number of acquisitions that Finn Partners has made, um, you know, Peter is very proud of the fact that he has acquired at least some 19 uh, firms uh, during the course of uh, the uh, creation of uh, Finn Partners. That's correct. That's yeah. accurate. So my, yeah, my question accurate. to you is, you know, so much depends on integration, you know, because it's obviously it's not just a holding company allowing, you know, firms to to operate on their own as part of a whole satellite, you know, of, of uh, companies. Um, you obviously have done a masterful job at integrating all of the acquisitions uh, uh, into, you know, the, the model that you obviously uh, created prior to all of the acquisitions. Can you describe the role of integration and, and how you have made it work? Well, I, I want to speak about the collective good here, not just me specifically, but I would say one correction is we're not a holding company. We're, we're, yes, no, um, I, I meant I will, that. Uh, yeah, you're not a, you're yeah, not yeah, a holding company yeah, we're, by any means. Yeah, we're not a holding company. We are a cohesive uh, agency community. So what I talked about, the, the, the most important um, path to integration is uh, a sense of shared culture, shared values, and the first value, which is work hard, play nice, is in every case the principles, the principles of the agencies who joined Fin Partners, actually demonstrated through the conversations we had with them. And as you know, Art, you're an expert at this for many years. Uh, you've lived and breathed this yourself. That uh, an acquisition doesn't happen overnight. From the first meeting to the um, to the popping of the champagne cork. It takes many many months, many months, and uh, obviously people are talking about their organizations um, as an extension of self. Their organizations are their babies, and we we recognize that many of us here have been agency owners ourselves, myself included, and so we understand that it's an expression of self. So first and foremost is how do we approach each other in the negotiating stage, from the meeting, the negotiating stage, you see very clearly how people approach um, asking for what they need, what they feel that they uh, is important to them in order to feel good about the relation, the structure of the relationship. So that's one part. The other part is generally once you start talking, people start to think about ways they could collaborate. And all of a sudden, another value falls into place, and you see that unfold. You see how they collaborate. And then you see how they turn to each other in order to do bigger things, a maze. So our values actually are creating a path toward integration even before anything is signed. You have a vetting process, you have a path to working together successfully, and then by the time you ideally get to, we're doing this, congratulations everyone, a lot of the background has happened already that makes it smooth sailing. But then there's operations, and you can have great intent. You can have um, also um, great synergies in terms of what you do and the types of clients you do it for. I believe that great process will influence great performance. And so we have an amazing team here, um, uh, people, colleagues that often go unheralded in organizations that here are celebrated in our human resources, our accounting group, our logistics group, our IT group, 
all of these groups really play a tremendous welcoming role in bringing our partner companies aboard, integrating IT systems, integrating accounting systems, integrating um, benefits, all of that is an important part of making people feel um, heard, appreciated, and actually reducing um, concerns um, very, very quickly, as quickly as we can, sometimes in a day or so. We handle all of this stuff. So we, we actually reduce ambiguity. That reduces anxiety. We lean toward doing the right thing always. And as a result of that, I think people feel very secure and taken care of. Gil, you, you obviously are a very eloquent as well as elegant spokesperson for the practice of healthcare public relations, and you have been recognized by the industry and your peers as such. How do you feel that you got into that role, and how have you used these opportunities as really being a, a significant spokesperson for the uh, industry, particularly in healthcare? Uh, how have you used those opportunities uh, to provide quality service to your clients? Well, Art, I've been blessed, first of all. I'm surrounded by amazing colleagues. And, um, you know, I recognize you were very kind in introducing me these these varied awards that, that, um, that I've received through the years. First of all, pretty much all those awards are given because I represent award-winning organizations. Um, and I think you would agree from your own experience that when you're part of something that's even bigger than yourself and greater than you are, that that um, you know, people seek to want to acknowledge in our industry. I've never, ever forgotten that when, I, when I'm, um, I'm blessed to receive something like this, it really is a composite recognition. It really belongs to the group. Uh, you know, maybe my name is attached to it, but the reality is it's happening because I'm surrounded by just magnificent people, um, and we share a dream together to improve people's lives and health. So that's first and foremost on the awards. It, it, it's, a, it's a shared award. I'm, I'm grateful that people think of me or remember me, but I also am remembering it every second of the day, the, the people who make it happen. Um, and that's a given. So that's one aspect. I, I am passionate about this profession, um, the work we do, and uh, I really want to sort of examine this not from the universal sense, but from the individual sense. And you know, I, I, I hope, I think that you'll agree with me. When, whenever anybody has a health challenge, whether it's a rash, whether it's a pain, whether it's something more substantial, and, and they're speaking to a doctor, and you can always feel your, uh, your heart you know, racing, that tachycardia, that sort of you know, amps up the heartbeat, and you're trying to digest what the doctor or the health care professional is telling you. Generally, the moment you leave that office, you're calling someone who's close to you, and you, then you're taking out your, um, your cell phone, and on Safari or Google, whatever you like to use on your phone, you're punching in words which you really weren't clear of and trying to understand what did they tell me. That what did you, they tell me moment is where we as health communicators factor in. And what I tell people around the world is it is our responsibility to provide people with accurate information so that they can make informed decisions. I'm an ambassador of our discipline because I believe we are in every doctor's office. We're in every 
exchange between an advocacy organization and their community. We are with every policymaker when they are making a decision that will determine access to care. In every instance, when the innovator communicates out what the benefit and value of their innovation is to society, we are there as health communicators at every step of the way. And I remind my colleagues of all ages and all places of their career journey, never forget you hold the responsibility in your decision-making, in the quality of your performance, in your output, in your counsel to clients, you hold the responsibility of providing society accurate information that will lead to an informed decision. And that informed decision might be we need to go to this medical center to get the best care for this condition. It might be we need to ask our doctor about this medication. It might be that we cannot have non-medical switching in our society, economically motivated medical switching. We need open access in certain therapeutic categories. All of that is influenced by the work we do. So I've told people, you know what? The well-being, in fact, and I, I have had plenty of past experience, the life and death of people out there on the streets around this globe are dependent on your actions, decisions, and effort. Never forget that. It's not about the client or the brand or whatever. Through our clients, we are invited to make a difference in this world. And therefore, the client is very important to us very important to us because agencies without clients never have the opportunity to influence people's lives. When clients invite us into the room and entrust us with an endeavor, that's where we can deploy our skills and our passion to make a difference in the world and improve the human condition. Well, you've, you've, you've just given about as, as uh, uh, exciting a definition of the role of public relations agencies in contemporary society as I've ever heard. That, that is really wonderfully put. So my next question, uh, and we've got a, a few questions to go before we call it a day. Um, what is your, given what you just said, what is your general view about where healthcare in this country is, is headed? Uh, I know that's a loaded question and probably one that I'm sure you can comment on for the next several hours, but can you give us a bird's eye view of, you know, given your experience and your background and what you just said, where you think healthcare is headed and or where it needs to head? Yeah. So this country's healthcare system actually was, was created. The modern healthcare system was created post-World War II around the world on the heels of great devastation. Um, all the developed nations in Europe and the United States fundamentally created their health systems. In Europe, it was seen that the government is responsible to create the foundation of health. And so most people in Europe, for instance, their employer does not provide them with their health care. It is a uh, civil right. It's part of their tax code, as it were. Um, In this nation, it began actually corporations offered health insurance to their uh, prospective and current employees as a way of enticing people and getting them to stay. And when we think about it, Art, at the very genesis of health care or, or access to health care, most of the treatments were either bed rest, if someone, heaven forbid, had a heart attack, they hopefully stabilized it, they survived, and then bed rest. If someone had another asthma, bed rest or a home rest. And so healthcare was actually very inexpensive 
because the fundamental treatment was don't do a lot. And then suddenly, really starting fundamentally in the 70s and 80s, we started to actually develop medical interventions. And Art, you remember, I certainly remember as a young person, when did the polio vaccine come into, into, into play? It wasn't in the 30s. It wasn't in the 30s, was it? It wasn't in the 40s, was it? It was actually in the early 1960s. And so when we think about that, a lot of the modern medicine that we celebrate today is actually very recent. And so that's the shift we've made. We developed a system that had a multitude of players, each with their own economic system, working actually in parallel to each other with very little connectivity. We have an um, information structure in healthcare. If you move from doctor to doctor, your file stays with your previous health system, and you've got to figure out how to transfer your health history or reinvent your own personal health history. You are your own health archivist. We have a very fragmented system here. So one, you ask, where is it going? Where does it need to go? Well, a lot of things have to happen. And we, we have right now a, a series of misunderstanding about our health system. So, for instance, many of the political candidates on both sides of the aisle point to the product innovation industry, particularly the biopharmaceutical industry, as one of the reasons why we have um, extensive health costs. But the re in reality, in reality uh, products have only made or sort of resulted in being about 14% of the total GDP cost of healthcare for the last few years. It's not climbed. It stayed at 14% of the total cost. The other elements of the cost, well, what is that? That's the management of healthcare, that's diagnostics, that's the medical system, that's hospital infrastructure. All of that actually makes up 86% of our healthcare spend. So what I'm saying is we have a complex story and people like simple villains. And the way that our nation is really going to have to tackle both the desire for innovation, access to care, reducing cost, is to suddenly start to talk about the complexity of our system. That's one element. We have to become more candid and more collaborative with each other and not appoint one segment of the healthcare ecosystem as the villain of the cost. It's not. Actually, when we look at product innovation. Product innovation, when we think about it, has gotten people out of the hospital system earlier. Well, let me give you an example, by the way. People will appreciate this. The cost of stroke. Three days in the hospital managing someone post-stroke, three days, is $27,000 for three days. Wow. The cost of giving them the medication for free, for free, by a health payer, is substantially less. So on one hand, we're, we're arguing amongst ourselves about the cost of the medication to prevent the stroke when the stroke itself three days would, would more than cover the cost of the medication for years and years and years. Because we have a fragmented health system and nobody's really studying it, we've got a problem. Another aspect, um, our electronic medical records. In Europe, they have a unified system. For instance, when I traveled to Israel, Israel is a closed-loop system. Everybody has access to the electronic medical records, your doctor, the hospital system, the pharmacy, one platform. Here, 
Nobody has them. Nobody has access to them. Who owns your data even? We don't know. Who's looking at your data? We don't know. And so we really have a lot of work to do here. The good news is, Art, on the technological side, we have systems. We have yet to deploy artificial intelligence to help people live healthier lives in this nation. <laughs> Other nations, excuse me, are using artificial intelligence to do exactly that. So when we look at the bounty of innovation available to us, we're actually deploying very little of it. So where do we need to go into the future? One, we have to cease looking at segments as the villains. They're all part of an ecosystem. We have to actually shift from the fragmentation to some form of collaboration. That will take real leadership. It's easy to, to villainize. It's much harder to pull people together when they're trying to do good stuff. Two, we have a bevy of health technologies that need to be integrated into our system. Problem that involves cost and training and leadership. Our health provider systems, our hospital systems, right now aren't set up for that. We need someone who knows how to do that in the major systems, and we need to find out what technologies we really want to lean into and integrate as quickly as we can. We need to find a way to reassure people that their medical records will be kept confidential. We need to build a universal electronic medical record system, or, and that doesn't mean one player doing it, but it means common platforms and interoperability. We need a system that actually incentivizes us to tackle some of the most expensive diseases, which are called non-communicable diseases. That's heart disease. That's diabetes. That's cancer. That's respiratory disease. These non-communicable mental health, these diseases are among the most costly of our society. We need to shift from sick care to health care. By sick care, I mean people access the doctor on these conditions when they're not well. We have to incentivize the system to keep you well. We have to incentivize you to stay well. And so our whole system is built on your getting sick because that's, that's how people make their money. Imagine people being incentivized to keep you healthy, you being incentivized to stay healthy. So there's a lot of work ahead of us in the years to come. I am incredibly optimistic, Art. I, we have the technology. We have the talent. We have the resources. We have the hunger. I think when those things start to converge um, and we have collaborative leadership, great things are going to happen in terms of our, the health of our nation. You know, I think you've just given us all a primer on like uh, some of the <clears throat> issues in in healthcare that I haven't even heard from some of the Democratic presidential candidates up there in their debates. Uh, uh, I I think you ought to be joining them, Gil, because I think you know more about healthcare than all of those <laughs> well, candidates I'm, put I'm, together. I'm nonpartisan. I'm nonpartisan, Art. I think that you'll find on both sides of the aisle they're pointing fingers at everybody. I, I ultimately believe. Let's let's be all honest with ourselves and our listeners today. When someone isn't well, you don't care if the doctor is Democrat or Republican. You just want to be cured, right? So I think we have to stop looking at it from um, a vantage point of partisan politics and understand we have responsibility to each other to really lean and make each other healthier. So my last question to you, Gil, where, you, where do you see Gil, Gil Bash in the years ahead? Um, first of all, Gil Bash is filled with fire and energy. Ho hopefully, hopefully you and, and the people listening to this podcast will appreciate the fact that we've got a lot of work to do. Um, but there's a few things I need to do in terms of, of really representing and working with my 
uh, colleagues here at Finn. We have an incredible leadership team for the future. I believe that one of the responsibilities of leaders is to prepare great people to lead. Uh, so one of the things I'm really focusing on for the future is not the here and now. Finn Partners, Peter's vision is not about building an agency for this quarter or this year. It's about building an organization based upon the values and shared energy that really wants to do great things for society, for clients and society. So one, my responsibility is to continue to not only serve clients and to be part of account teams, but also is to prepare people to take over. Um, so that's a big part of my responsibility, and I take it seriously. And I think one of the reasons we've succeeded here is that it's not about a person, it's about a community, but also to create stability within the community, you've got to make it about a number of people. We have a great leadership team here at the practice, and I am looking forward to working with them and in the future actually morphing my role. Um, they will start to step forward more and more and more, and there's a great skill set here, and I will uh, shift into the future as having a senior counselor role, as helping our prospective clients really acquaint themselves with Finn, of getting our points of view out there. Um, and uh, as you mentioned earlier in this discussion, um, we are working with a number of organizations in terms of, um, of health advocacy, health disparities, um, changing standard protocols of care. All of this we're involved in. Very, very proud that when we see a clinical need out there like pancreatic cancer, we, we don't just say the status quo is working. We actually align with organizations that are at the cutting edge of changing the discussion and rally and give them our support so that people will actually live longer lives. So there's a ton to do. As my colleagues, sort of like I always say as a leader, as they get closer and closer, it's my responsibility to give them more and more space and actually to go off and explore new territory that will make Finn Partners a leader in the space. Wow. Gil Bash, you are truly a PR master. You really inspired us today. And all I can tell you, Gil, is that on behalf of our listeners, I thank you for joining us today and sharing your views with us. And I'd like to thank all of you listening in uh, to another of the series of Stevens Group PR Masters podcast series. And until next time, I'm Art Stevens, wishing you all the very best.